and the way it was running just did not look like any human. Immediately, felt like someone was watching. Something was watching. We seen some eyes, which were glowing a bright red. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to this Sasquatch show, brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. Sit back and enjoy. Well, my husband and I, there wasn't that much work on the island, so we left the island and moved to the beautiful Okanagan here. And we work for a ranch. I won't give out the ranch name. And every spring and summer, the boys take the cows in the cattle liner, and we have to take them up a mountainside so they can graze. I um, was just um, in between my cancer treatments, and I wanted to go for a ride in the cattle liner, so I went with my husband this day. And we traveled down a back road, and the boys put the cattle into the corrals, got the horses out, saddled up the horses, and chased them up the big long hill. And my husband went with them on the quad, and I was left by myself. So I decided to go down around the river and look around. I'm always looking for pretty rocks and Likes to see the sparkle. Don't know if it's real gold or fool's gold, but I'm monking around the river. And I'm throwing pebbles and stuff into the river, and all of a sudden I heard a plunk. And I says, hey, there's fish there, and another big plunk. And the water hit my face and my upper part of my face, this water. And I look up, and I'm looking into the eyes of a creature that stood 12 feet high across the river. It had more like a small boulder holding it in its hands, throwing it. And I just, I just backed off. I couldn't run. I couldn't scream. I I just froze. I backed up slowly. I got finally up the bank. And I could feel this thing just staring at me, just like it was looking at right into your soul of your body. I was so scared. I had to urinate so i'm out in the bush i had to go do my thing and i urinated and i got started walking pretty fast back to the cattle liner and i am terrified i got back to the cattle liner this thing with three steps made it over the river in three steps, which would took me about a good 20 minutes 
like the water didn't even wasn't even up to its waist. It might have been a little bit past its bottom part of its knee. And it stopped where I urinated and it sat down like a man on its haunches and it smelt where I urinated and it put its head up in the air and it was smelling the air. And it's put its head down again and it was smelling where I urinated. And I'm going, what is this thing doing? Do you, do you think it was following you? Like tracking you, so to speak? I don't know. And it put its head up and it started coming towards the cattle liner and our cattle liner. You can't really hide anywhere. It's just one seat on one side, one seat on an, the other side. And I'm thinking this thing is so huge. All it had to do, it didn't even have to bend down. I had to climb up into this old, old truck. I said this thing could, with one hand, rip the door right off. Like it, it was just gigantic. So after the after you saw the creature smell where you were, you urinated at. What did it do after that? It just kept on smelling it, and it put its head up in the air, and it's like it was smelling the air, and it started towards where I was in the cattle liner, and. It must have heard a noise because this thing bolted into the bush like I never seen an animal run that fast on two feet. In three big gigantic runs, it was in the bush. And my husband came back and I, I told him what I seen and he just kind of looked at me and he says, do you think you seen a bear? And I says, it wasn't a bear. It was on two feet. And when it ran, the gape of its feet, when it ran one foot to the other foot must have been a good five feet apart. I'm only five, four, and, and nobody could run a five feet at a time. Yeah, that's a that's a really big big space in between steps, yeah. It is. And wherever it went, because it's really rocky up there, and that maybe it's got caves because I've talked to other people that they live up around there and they say um they have seen things like that up there and there are caves up there and they says don't even start looking for it because they says they are very, very protective. They do live in family groups. And if it is a male protecting its territory, you're going to get yourself hurt. So, so Wendy, how, how did this one compare to the first one you saw? Was it, it was much bigger, obviously, but um, what, was it the same color? Did it have the same facial um, features because your first encounter happened on Vancouver Island 
And your second mm-hmm. encounter happened in the interior of British Columbia. So was there a difference in, in kind of a, a major difference in the look of the two? Not that much of a look. This one was more blacker, a very kind of a deep black, um, fur all over it still, um, huge feet. This one's feet, I would say, had to be a good 20 inches long. Wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean... And the hands, its hands were just, just huge. Can, can you describe its face? Like, could you could you make out its eyes or, or, or any other details, like, in the facial region? Like, its teeth, maybe? Um, Did... the, the, the face would be kind of like an ape's face, but not really an ape's face. It's more like had a nose of a human but half human nose half animal nose its eyes were dark and they were piercing eyes it's like when it looked at me over the river there i felt that it was trying to look right into my soul it had a stare that I could not explain. It's just, it's looking right through your whole body. Did it make any noises? It made kind of like a, a hump noise, like a deep kind of a, like a mad noise, like maybe a disgusting noise. Um, I just backed away. I was terrified and I backed away very slowly. And after I urinated on the ground, I took off as fast as I could to the cabin liner. But it came across and it was studying where I urinated on the ground. So maybe it thought I don't know. I used to work in a veterinarian clinic. Maybe it was trying to see if I was ovulating, um, what if I was a male or female, um, if I was ready to breed with. Yeah, that definitely but shows it, like shows signs of intelligence. Would you think? Yes, and it was picking the ground with a little stick where I urinated, like, kind of like it was stirring up where I urinated, maybe to get an extra smell of it or something. It's kind of really strange. Yeah, that is a bit odd. Yeah. So So I'm wondering maybe um, that if you were a younger woman and if you were ready to ovulate, maybe it would picked up on that. And if nobody came back when my husband did, the door would have been ripped off the cab liner and maybe I would have been gone. This really affected you, did it? Like, to, but to the point that it's, it didn't, it hasn't made you want to go out and hunt them, right? That you actually have, like, for the listeners, we spoke um, on the phone before 
uh, we came on the air and, and Wendy explained to me that she, she does want these creatures protected and she doesn't want people out there harming them. Um, given your past experiences, you, you would think that, you know, you wouldn't mind, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, shooting one. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I say it's something of the past, probably around the caveman period. It has survived the Ice Age. It has adapted, which some species can adapt to the cold environment and everything else. It just, it lives out in the bush, maybe in caves. Um, I have, my husband and I, on occasion, we do go driving on our quad. My husband and I have witnessed, um, it's made out of twigs and broken tree branches, and it's more like a big, huge nest that you can climb into. It has one hole, and it's made out of um, trees and mud and um, sticks. Oh, wow. And it just looks like a big mound of dirt and mud in twigs but you can actually climb into it and um what? yeah curl up there and be warm and be cozy so, and i have seen quite a few of them out in the bush i come across and my husband's come across one or two of them and i think they are intelligent more than we're claiming they are and um maybe it's a link between how we involved so do you think that these things have a little bit of humanity in them quote unquote i think they do i i think they do live in families they do care for one another we don't see a a dead one um, out there. We never come across their bodies. Maybe they bury them. Maybe they're loving like a loving family should be. The men, the males are very territorial. I don't know how long they live for, but I wouldn't want anybody to go out there shooting them in that because we don't, we None of us really know. Maybe there's a link between us and them. Maybe we don't know if they're great ancestors of ours. That definitely is a possibility. That really is a possibility. Yeah, they they are human-like. Like they have the same features we do. They're they're just much bigger, and they um, I, I think they evolved uh, to adapt to the woods of of. You know, not only British Columbia, but, you know, uh, Washington, you know, the mountains. Um, it had a, um, a monkey's mouth. I, I call it a gorilla monkey's mouth. But the, the lip, the upper lip came down like a human's more. And it looked more like a human lip on the, the top and bottom. When it showed its teeth, it still has the cane, two canine teeth. But it's more, the teeth also look more like a human, except for the two canine on each side. 
How, how long were they? How long were they? The, like you're talking about the fangs, right? Yes. How, how um, long were those? I would say they're about an inch, maybe a little bit more than an inch long. Like they, they overhang the bottom teeth. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes, they would. Wow. Yes. Wow. When it looked into its eye, I was, I was more terrified because you don't see that every day. But in a way, it could have, it could have, when it was over the river there, it could have, in one or two steps, it could have got me. Because I was right at the edge of the river, and so was it. But it didn't, it didn't um, really, it just kind of set there, squat, I would call it a big squat it squatted and it just studied me yeah it sounds like it would like this this one was more curious than anything it didn't seem like it, if it wanted to get you it would have so it just seemed probably it was more infatuated and curious with you rather than uh, you know out looking for lunch so to speak i don't know um i don't know if um what they eat, I've heard from the First Nations that they they um they dig um and they eat roots and mushrooms and they do eat fish. They um might live on other animals because the one I seen um on the island um, it had in between a garbage smell and a smell of rotted meat. So they are, they do eat meat. I don't know if they know anything about how to make fire. Yeah, yeah, it, so, it's, that's, that's another mystery to be solved. <laughs> but I think they should be protected and we should do more research on them, but how do you go about tracking something that this big and get it to be protected? Um, I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to go ahead and shoot one and find out we're, we're related to them. How do we know if we haven't got just about the same DNA that they have? Well, I, I think, in my own personal opinion, I, I do think that that... Um... That day is coming, uh, meaning I do think that these things will be formally acknowledged by governments and and the public, and, and one day they will be um, protected. So uh, I do believe that day is coming eventually. I'm not sure when, I'm not sure how, but I, I do think it is coming. Well, I when I talked to um, some of my friends, and one was a shaman. He lives, he's getting very old. He lives on the island. He's... Um, has gone well actually lives in the bush he says they do go down to the water and they do bathe once in a while um he had one lived up in a cave somewhere and there was a family he says probably the father a mother and a couple of young ones he says he studied them and he says you leave them alone they leave you alone they just want to go out there, do their business. They don't hibernate. 
like I thought, hey, you're an animal, you would hibernate. No, they're up running around in the middle of winter, um, getting whatever they can, foraging for food. I don't know how they would ever kill a deer, but he says they are kind of like in between an animal and a caveman because he says, I seen this one, it was jabbing a dead animal kind of like with a wooden spear. And he says, I don't know if it made it, broke it off, but he says it was jabbing this carcass out in the bush. And I says, well, did it make the spear? Or is it just a big piece of stick? He says, no, but it was studying this dead carcass. And he says, it has to have some kind of very highly intelligent yeah i would i would i would 100 agree with that 100 agree with that that's by far one of the main things that i've I've found out uh just by doing this show and from my own research is that these things are incredibly smart they do travel to different areas he's he says they lived in the cave for a while in the summertime they left the cave and he went up there he says he's found um, boulders and stuff they must have used to hit maybe um, dead fish or some kind of berries that are hard they use them to pound with um, he says they do not use the, the cave um, part of the cave as a bathroom they will go somewhere else to use go to the bathroom and he says it's just like a prehistoric caveman living in a cave. Wow. Yeah, you know what? He that's says, that's interesting. He says he has found some sticks and um, bigger things that they use. And he says some of the rocks were whacked and polished so much that you could actually see that they were using them to grind stuff and to pound stuff, but maybe they just never learned how to create fire yet. Or maybe they just don't want to use it. <laughs> you know, we see the what damage we cause with fire, so maybe they've, they've kind of taken that and said, nope, fire is not allowed around here. But they do migrate. I think maybe, um, I don't know, maybe they... Um, travel with the herds if the deer come down um maybe they come down with the deer in the winter time maybe when the deer in the spring and summertime or higher in the metals they're up there we don't know yeah you know what I, there, that's a theory that actually um i have on my own and i'm sure well i'm sure i don't have the that's the only one but that's another thing that I, I, I do believe is that they do migrate. They follow the, the herds of either deer or elk or, or you know, whatever they, they can hunt, right? Well, the only thing I would do is I, I very highly respect them. I don't like anything to be killed, especially them, if it's kind of like our great ancestors. They would have to track one i don't know if they could put a collar on one unless you put it to sleep and put a collar on one 
um, it might rip off the collars so we can actually study them. And how could you study something that's so elusive? They hide. They, my friend said they could be watching you when you're out camping with your wife and your children and you won't even know they're there. Yep, I agree with that. That there are um, ones that they love the shrill of kids. Women have a higher voice and they're shrilled with our higher voices. A woman's pitching your voice and the kids shrill. And he says he's actually seen one from a distance sitting on a hill with his binoculars watching campers for hours with their kids in the summertime. Oh, wow. Wow. I'd love to be able to speak with your friend. <laughs> He's a shaman that lives on the island. He's um pretty old now, and he's been living out in the bush since he was in his young 20s. Very knowledgeable man, and I have a great respect for him. He taught me lots. And like he says, that these animals have a very highly intelligent, more than we give them credit for, to sit there for hours and watch a family of human beings with children on a mountainside all day and just sit there watching them camp with on a campfire. That, that, that sounds like high intelligence. That, that really does sound like studying almost. Like we would do the same thing if we, if, if, you know, if I was in that position and I saw a family of, you know, Sasquatch doing whatever they're doing, I'm guaranteed I'm going to sit there and watch. So it sounds like uh, almost human-like behavior. But, um, I mean, they're still an animal. They still have to be respectful. You have to respect them, especially, I think, the males. The males are more... Maybe they um, urinate somewhere, and if a male comes on, if you're out hunting, and if you're a male and you got to urinate, you're in their territory. They come across and say, hey, some guy was here, and he's in my territory. They will protect their territory. Yes, I agree with that 100% as well. If you're a woman, if you're a woman, okay. But if you're a man, and with the women, I don't know. I've never seen a female one out there, but they got to be out there. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Some in different colors, um, black, brown, kind of an off. Uh, there's some kind of in between a creamish, whitish brown, and some that kind of like albinos. I've heard that, actually. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. Well, Wendy, this has been an amazing... I want to say thank you for coming on today. I know you were a little hesitant at first, but I really want to say thank you for coming on and sharing all your experiences with us. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And for the listeners, just hang in there. We'll be right back. Um, we're going to close the show, so stay there. And we're back, everyone. Thank you guys all for hanging around. 
Uh, we're getting ready to pull a pin on this one. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say thank you again to Wendy for coming on. Um, you know, you know, we talked quite a bit before and after the interview, and, and she is quite adamant that these creatures need to be protected. And and and, and I applaud her for her, um, you know, for standing up for it because for what she's gone through, I wouldn't blame her if she said, you know, I want to put a point a gun at each and every one of them and pull the trigger, you know, because she was terrified. I, I think you guys could tell it in her voice that, you know, this creature really bothered her and it still does to this day. So, Wendy, thank you so much for showing all your courage and I, I really do appreciate you coming on. I really do. Um, for the rest of everybody, though, if you've had an encounter and you want to be on the show, I, be, I can be contacted at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A. NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear you guys' stories. Let's, uh, let's keep going. I'm getting a lot of good feedback for the things that we've been doing lately. And uh, tune in next week because I'm going to have Josh on. And Josh has had, oh, you guys are going to really love Josh's story. So I encourage you guys to download that one immediately next week as soon as it comes on. But uh, until then, I'm glad you guys came along today. And I really hope that you guys uh, have a safe, uh, you know, week. And I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week. Till then, bye.